Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. This global pandemic has changed how people interact from being quarantined, wearing face masks, social distancing, and no longer shaking hands with each other. Add to this the surge in bleach, Lysol, and hand sanitizer sales, and we're now living in a germaphobic protective bubble. Joining us today is Dr. Jessica Turhar. She says exposure to many microbes is good for us, and living in such a sterile environment could actually lower our immune system. She's here to help us stay healthy during this pandemic and beyond. Don't go anywhere. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a microbiology expert and director of scientific affairs for the International Probiotics Association. She's a sought-after probiotic educator focused on digestive and women's health. She holds a doctorate in medical microbiology and has a master's degree in nutrition and nutraceutical sciences. She's the founder and chairwoman of Women and Their Microbes, a scientific conference focused on helping women achieve their best possible microbial health. She's a sought-after consultant for a variety of companies in the probiotic, pharmaceutical, and food industries. Here to discuss germs, the good and the bad, welcome to the show, Dr. Jessica Turhar. Thank you so much, Dr. Friedman. It's a pleasure to be here to talk to you today. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Something that many people probably don't realize listening, that human cells are made out of microbes and being exposed to bacteria and viruses and fungi is just a normal part of life. Tell us what differentiates the bad guys versus the good guys when it comes to microbes. That's a great question. And, and to be honest, you know, less than 1% of bacteria cause disease. That's a mind-blowing figure when we think of the current pandemic that we're in right now. There's good microbes and there's bad microbes. And probably the three most popular ones would be sort of viruses, or sorry, um, bacteria, fungi, and viruses. And so if you allow me, I'd like to just explain the difference between those three for your listeners. Sure. That'd be great. Yes. So a bacteria, you've got to kind of think of them like something that's really lonely. They're a one cell and they sort of reproduce constantly because, well, they're lonely. And less, like I said, less than 1% of them cause disease, but we also have good things that come from bacteria. Uh, think about your bread. Think about pickles and sauerkraut and fermented foods. Lots of uh, drugs are actually made from bacteria, um, from their metabolic processes. So again, good ones and bad ones. Fungi, you got to go beyond your bathroom mold, your mushrooms and so on and so forth. Think of the yeast that goes into to beer and wine and breads. Um, fungi are kind of like the recyclers of the microbial world. So if there's any nutrient in excess, they'll take it and repurpose it and do whatever they want with it. And then you have obviously viruses, which we're learning a lot about nowadays. Um, and viruses, I sort of call them zombies because they're not alive, they're not dead, according to science, but they also need something else, another host cell to reproduce and to do what they need to do. And not to um, downgrade the pandemic that we're in right now, obviously the COVID-19 virus is a, is a serious um, organism that we need to take uh, very quite seriously, but there are also viruses that actually can even help us kill antibiotic-resistant bacteria. So as you said, Dr. Friedman, there are microbes everywhere. They're, in our, they're on um, uh, plants, in the soil, on our bodies, in our bodies, all around us. They're supposed to be there because they do something. But keep in mind that there are good ones and there are bad ones. And the good ones, for the most part, outnumber the bad ones in a really big way. 
Yeah, I know one of the most fascinating things I learned in microbiology class was the fact that most healthy people are walking around with bacteria and viruses, but they're not sick. And, you know, we're talking staph, strep, even herpes simplex virus, but they're healthy. So we're really walking Petri dishes, correct? And we just need to have more of the good than the bad. You got it. I mean, some organisms, if you have two of them, just two cells, they can make you as sick as all. Other ones, you know, nothing happens. And you're right. We, we are literally walking Petri dishes. And that's why it's, it's really important that people understand that while it's important to try and avoid, if you can, um, the COVID-19 virus right now, uh, we also need to make sure that we're exposing ourselves to more good microbes. Because honestly, Dr. Friedman, I know people that have not left their apartments in nine months. Jeez. In nine months. Can you imagine this? Yeah. I... This is, you know, psychologically speaking, challenging. But from a health perspective, we are setting ourselves up uh, for some uh, higher uh, trends of already too high negative consequences. You know, eczema, allergies, autoimmune diseases, loads of inflammation. All of these are related uh, to our microbial exposure and our microbial diversity in our gut. And I'm sure your listeners know this already, that our, our gut is like our second immune system. It's that forgotten organ. It, it's, it's got so much surface area and there's so much going on in the gut that it's really important to maintain our gut health. But let's not forget that bacteria, fungi, viruses, microorganisms, microbes, they are all over our body and they do things there and they're very important. Microbial cells in our body outnumber our human cells. And if that doesn't tell you the importance of microbes in health, I'm not sure what does. Right. I know in an effort to avoid the coronavirus, people are just constantly using these hand sanitizers. I mean, some every five minutes. What's your opinion on these alcohol-based products? Mm. Can they destroy some of the good bacteria that we need on our hands? Well, that's a tricky question because, again, you have to, you have to keep yourself safe and we have to abide by, you know, the, the guidelines of the, the clever people up in the CDC and, and, and what the experts are saying. But um, what I know in the lab, for example, is that when you sanitize a surface with these alcohol-based hand sanitizers, it's going to destroy the microbes that are on the surface, right? But what grows back, because microbes are everywhere, the land in from the air onto that surface or your hands or whatever, the stuff that starts growing back is the fast-growing stuff. So your staphs, your streps, your pseudomonas and things like that. And those are not necessarily the ones you want all the time. And hopefully, whatever that surface is, you know, more good guys come in and overgrow the other ones, right? But that's not always the case. So the challenge with the constant hand sanitizing or surface sanitizing or um, sterilizing is that you tend to get some more belligerent, really obnoxious tourists that come in, you know, they'll, they'll throw graffiti on your fountains and they'll, they'll uh, disrupt the locals as opposed to sort of the nice guys that sort of come through and very polite and all of that. So you really have to be careful. But again, it, it's a fine line we're walking here. The world has changed. Grandma's party is online. We don't go to our house anymore. You know, we, the kids are at school online or they're trading masks in the playground. You know, it's like when an astronaut goes to space, they have to adapt to that environment, that changing pressure, the, uh, the anti-gravity, all of that. And right now we're living in a new environment as well because we're not being exposed to as many microbes. I, I can't remember the last time I shaved the neighbor's hand. You know, kissing doesn't go on for New Year's unless, you know, you're in the same house anymore. Um, you know, there's not as much exchange of microbes going on. And like I mentioned, some people aren't leaving their houses. They're not going outside for walks. We, we're limited in the, the type of exposure that we can have. So this, this could be a serious problem if we're not careful. 
Yeah, I know. Parents nowadays, they're afraid to let their kids play in the dirt, which I believe is a reason why there's such an increase in sickness and autoimmune disease. Share why letting kids play in the dirt and being exposed to the germs that they're touching and playing with actually improve their immune system. Some people just don't get that. It's, it's a really great question. It's a really great point, and I'm so happy you brought that up. The thing is that our, our immune system is it's in multiple places in our body. We have sort of this, this, this highway kind of that runs through, but a big part of the immune system is actually in our gut. So as we're exposed on our skin or we breathe things in or we swallow stuff, um, those microbes interact with the cells that line our gut on the inside of the body. Um, and that's a normal barrier that's there because it sort of controls what gets absorbed and what gets, what gets communicated. And it's really the first line of immune defense because 70% of our immune cells are actually in our digestive tract. And so when kids are outside playing in the dirt or touching the sand or, you know, uh, climbing trees and stuff like that, they're interacting with the microbes that are there too, not just the, the cellulose that's on the tree bark and, 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 you know, on the leaves and stuff like that. And that allows their body in a very controlled way almost to say, hey, that's a good microbe or I've never seen this one before. What do we do with that? You know, so that re-education through the contact with the microbes in the immune system cells all over, you know, like I said, the skin, the lungs, the, the gut uh, lining allows their body to understand, okay, this guy's a good guy. That guy's a bad guy. We're not sure of him. So we're going to keep watching him for a little bit. And instead of just immediately going into over hyperdrive, um, and, and mounting a huge attack and things like that. Because, you know, you want, you want if you're going to have inflammation and an immune response, you want it to be a bit more controlled. You don't want it to get to blow up over the place. But I don't need to tell you that. You, you should probably tell your listeners more about that, Dr. Friedman. Yeah. No, I'll tell you, one of my, my most popular podcasts in 25 years was when I, I did the podcast called Germs Are Our Friends. And it just woke yeah. people up like, huh? They're our friends? Yeah, without them, we die. We're, we're 60% of our bodies made up of germs and we yeah. are germs <laughs> and people go "Ooh, I, I hate me i don't want to look in the mirror now i'm seeing germs well you are germs so get used to it folks <laughs> so so let me I ask you so, beautiful. So, <laughs> so let's let, let's find out from you how can people stay safe during this pandemic and also at the same time uh you know keep their bodies safe from foreign invaders and health threats for sure. What are some good tips? For sure. Okay, I'll give you three easy, easy things you can do to help your body sort of adapt to the environment we're in, but also enhance your exposure to good microbes. First one, open your windows. People don't think about this, but this is a traditional way for centuries that microbes have been coming into our homes in the fresh air. And you know, when you're sick or you're not feeling well, people, your mom or your grandma always said, you know, crack open the window. Spring cleaning, we do it too. Microbes are in the air. They're supposed to be there. They do good things for the most part. And it's a very small amount of microbes that are in the air. So you're not going to be overwhelming yourself. Let the oxygen in. Let the microbes in. Right. Second thing, and you're already doing it, eat food. Eat a variety of food. Choose foods that will give you more exposure to microbes. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know if your listeners knew this, but you have microbes in and on your food. So an apple has over a million microbes inside the apple itself, in the pulp, in the skin, in the seeds, in the stem. The microbes are wow. in the apple. So you eat apples, you're like, hey, I got a million microbes today. That's great. Eat another apple. Now, that's fresh food, broccoli, lettuce, tomatoes, all of those things. Those vegetables, fruits, they have microbes inside them. The way to really supercharge 
a good dose of beneficial microbes would be to have fermented foods because those are foods that have been prepared um, to preserve them or enhance flavor, but also to boost up the, the dose of microbes. And people didn't realize this, you know, centuries ago when they'd be fermenting things like, you know, cheeses, yogurt, kimchi, your sourdough bread, all of those wonderful tasty things that we've grown up appreciating for various reasons. But that's another way to get a big dose of good microbes that our bodies are used to handling. And then the last way um, would be to consider taking a daily probiotic. And the reason for that is, is because probiotics are the safest, possibly the easiest, and the most precise way to get a dose of good microbes every day. They're safe. They're FDA regulated. A lot of people don't know this. They're FDA regulated, and they're backed by a huge amount of science. There's over 1,600 clinical trials, trials in humans, on probiotics for a variety of indications. So that's, that's a large body of evidence. It is a bit all over the place in terms of what probiotics are used for, but there's a large body of evidence. And so that, that's another easy way to just enhance your exposure to good microbes because, again, microbes can help you with a lot of things, and they're supposed to. As you said at the beginning of the program, if we don't, we're setting ourselves up for long-term health problems down the line. So three things. Open your window. Go ahead, open your window, eat some more food, especially fermented foods if you can and fresh, a variety of those, and consider taking a probiotic. Yeah, I know I love that quote from Hippocrates, the father of medicine said, all disease begins in the gut. And as you said earlier, 70% of our immune system is housed in our gut. So, and then you mentioned probiotics, but there's so much confusion out there. Uh, what do we need to know about probiotics? It can get confusing. I mean, there's there's different brands, there's CFUs, does it need to be refrigerated or not? It's It can be overwhelming. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's There's lots of different considerations and huge amount of questions. So I'm hoping we can crack through some of the, the, the big ones on your side, but let me just start with why we actually yeah. need probiotics. You know, our modern lifestyle, aside from this pandemic, creates huge imbalances in our gastrointestinal tract and in our, the microbes that are living in our bodies. You know, stress, processed foods, chlorinated water, even some medications, they can alter our microbiota, especially within our gut. And this negatively affects those organisms. You know, when your gut microbe composition is changed, usually it goes down in diversity. And that means that you're not going to be able to digest your food as well. Um, hormones are produced by your gut bacteria. A lot of people don't realize this. A lot of vitamins are produced by your gut bacteria. And so when you have um, not very many options to expose yourself to microbes, consider nowadays, the probiotics can help to, to grow and interact with these resident microbes, but they, they don't colonize the gut either, but they really start to stimulate and, you know, shake the party up a little bit. Hey guys, wake up, you know, good guys are here. We gotta, we gotta uh, support the body and, and help uh, not only with the immune system, but also um, with digestion, with, with the gut brain access, with the gut liver access, you know, all the different organs. So there's a lot that probiotic supplements can do to help. And like I said, there's a lot of science. So I, I would strongly suggest that people really consider taking them. And of course, speak with your doctor before you, you start on any program like that. But um, I take a probiotic every day. My kids take probiotics every day. Um, we're reasonably healthy people, at least the absence of disease, because health is hard to define. But um, it, it's, it's really something people should think about because they do a lot. Right. Tell us about that, that CFU number that we say in probiotic supplements. They can vary from 10 million to 50 billion. Share with us what these numbers mean and does the higher the number mean the better the supplement? Great question. Great question. I get this question a lot, actually. 
So the thing is, the CFU stands for Colony Forming Unit, and it's a measure that we use in the field to try and understand how many bacteria are actually in a product or how many are there. Um, so when you think of the numbers that are in a probiotic product, um, do you need more? Do you need less? Um, that actually, I want to answer that in a different way. So it's about what the strains are doing. It's not about the actual number. Like you could have an army of a million people. Actually, let's, let's scratch that. Let's, let me give you a different example. So if you take, for example, the military, you can have like a, a one sniper with, you know, his guide or his site, and that's two people compared to maybe a crew of, of 20 who go off to do a job. They might be able to do the same thing, but the numbers are different. So it really all depends on the skills or the characteristics or the functionality of each of the strains that's in the product. So you might be able to take a product that has, you know, 50 billion CFUs in it, and that could help you. But you also might be able to take a product that has 10, and that'll help you too. It really depends on the strains that are in the product and what the science says that they do. So it's quality, not quantity, which brings me to my next question is, uh, what brand or strain do people choose? There's so many different ones out there, and most people can't pronounce them. How do they know, oh, that's the basic, is there one that's just your basic probiotic that people should start with? You know, when I get this question, I answer it this way. Try to go for a diversity of organisms that you're exposing to, even in a probiotic. And so how I do that, sometimes I'll, I'll take a strain, a product that has one strain or three strains or, or two strains or things like that, and then I'll change it up um, if I'm able to, to have a product that has different strains on it. And I know that's not feasible for everybody, but the principle behind that is, again, going back to this diversity aspect. So if you can expose yourself to different microbes, good beneficial microbes over time, for example, within a probiotic, um, that would put you in better cases. Now, if you're taking a probiotic for a very specific reason, let's say you have um, lactose intolerance, or you have IBS of some form, um, or you've just taken a course of antibiotics, there are specific probiotics for, for those specific uses that have a lot of science behind them. Um, so there you should take those strains that have been identified through clinical studies to have those effects. But if you're talking about sort of a general person who may or may not be really aware of what they may or may not want, try to go for a bigger diversity of the number of strains. Um, and that can be from one particular product, but think about changing it up too. So um, I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's the way I approach the science. Yeah, I think diversity, and what I've noticed with the probiotic is is even diversity, I'll, I'll change it up. Even I've got diversity in one supplement, I've noticed every 90 days, I, my body tends to get too used to it, and I kind of mix it up with more diversity, so I'll find a difference. So I, I've got three that I, I switch from, and I do really good with that rather than staying on one, one probiotic for the whole year. I switch, so in a year I might do three or four of them. Let me ask you, what about refrigeration? Uh, do they need to be refrigerated? Do they not do some? How do we know? So products that need to be refrigerated will say so on the label. And for the most part, I mean, nowadays, you, they can develop and formulate a product so that it doesn't need to be refrigerated. And the way they do that is they add some compounds, often even prebiotic, um, prebiotics, that allow the strains to be stable at room temperature for a long period of time, you know, one, two years, depending on uh, the formulating. So the product will generally say on the label, you know, refrigerate after opening or keep refrigerated if it needs to be refrigerated. Um, I know people that store all of their probiotics in the fridge, even if they don't need to be refrigerated. So it's really up to you 
um, as long as you don't buy one that needs to be refrigerated and store it outside the fridge. But I will say this. The reason people need to refrigerate products that say to be refrigerated is because, remember, these are live microorganisms. Probiotics are live bacteria, often, or yeast or something like that, um, that need to be refrigerated to keep them sort of in that kind of comatose state because they're kind of sleeping, and the way they wake up and do what they need to do is when they're exposed to water or to moisture. So I know people that, for example, in women's health, they'll store some of their uh, probiotics for certain female indications in the bathroom. And that's not a great place to store them unless it's in a, a, a rather uh, moisture-protected environment because, you know, you take a hot shower or there's lots of water, you know. So think about protecting your bacteria from moisture and storing in the fridge is a very good way to do that. We all know that our apples dry out in the fridge if we keep them in there too long, you know, things like that. But that's the reason why. It doesn't mean they become toxic or, or like um, other drugs might um, not work anymore. It's just that they become less potent. So I know people, as a rule, that just store everything in the fridge when it comes to probiotics because they want to optimize the shelf life. Great. Uh, yeah, I, I know the, in the minute we have left, there's one more question I get a lot, and I want to throw it out at you and see what you say. The, you know, I get a lot of experts on the show saying, take probiotics with food, and I've had others come in here and say, no, you want to take them on an empty stomach. What have you found to be true, with food or without? Oof, that's a hard one. I, mm, with food or without food? The science isn't out, isn't isn't convinced on that one. To be honest, some some are formulated to take with food uh, because once they hit the stomach, they're going to hit acid. And do you want them to be rehydrated with acid versus other things? So that's a hard one to answer. Um, I'd say stick with what's on the label. If it instructs you to take it with food, then that's how it's been formulated based on the science. But um, it can really go both ways. It really can. And I mean, if you want more information about that, or, or if any of your listeners want to contact me. Um, they can do that through the association. Just run over to our website, to fill out the, the contact uh, box, and I'd be happy to do that. And Oh, and the website, they'll kill me if I don't say this, internationalprobiotics.org. And you can just say, this is a message for Jesse. I have a burning question for her. Fantastic. Great, great info. We're out of time. We could have had quite a few because this is a great topic, but uh, you did wonderful. You, you, you got us uh, looking at germs a little bit differently, and hopefully people took good notes and uh, share this vital information with others like like we mentioned this is really important to learn more you can go to internationalprobiotics.org and while there be sure and check out all the resources including articles and research and the latest health news and you can also sign up for their free newsletter and receive the latest updates sent directly to your inbox you can follow them on facebook at internationalprobiotics.org Org, and on Twitter at IP Association. You can also follow me on social media at Dr. David Friedman, except on Instagram, I'm at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard something today that would benefit somebody you know, as I said, share them, share this information, send them a link to, you can go to toyourgoodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com and peruse our podcast library and share these segments with friends, family, coworkers, and on social media. This information is too important to keep to yourself. Sharing is caring. You can Subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.